You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Aloha and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us this morning for our Digital House Church Gathering. Um, Can you believe it? We've been doing this for like eight months now. Um, But glory to God that he's using it and still keeping us unified and connected and together. And um, if if you're just joining us recently, first time or this season, or you've been around since the inception of the church some three years ago, we're just so grateful that you would take the time to listen and engage and worship and allow God to speak to you. And so wherever you're at, whether that's with your roommates or family or your kids or whatever it is, we pray that this would be a blessing to you, that you would um, exalt the name of Jesus in your home, that your home would be filled with his presence, and that he would speak to you through his living and active word. Um, As always, we want to get into the word of God and allow it to speak to us, but some very fun big announcements that kind of started this last week, if you didn't know, was we started our first in-person midweek all-church prayer meeting um, this past Wednesday night. We did it so grateful for those that came. It was like so fun for me personally, and I'm sure those that came, to just spend time in person with one another and and, and fellowship, but, but then press into prayer and lift up our church. And I uh, want to invite you every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We would love to have you join us um, in that, that safe in-person prayer meeting. All the details can be found at realityhonolulu.com slash prayer. But uh, some weeks we'll have worship. Some weeks we'll have a short teaching. want to kind of make it a thing. Um, and allow it to be a space and a place where we can connect as a church midweek um, because we're obviously still doing this on Sundays until uh, the doors are officially open at Aliolani. Again, just waiting on that. But in the meantime, I want to make sure you are very connected. And so if you aren't already naturally on Facebook and Instagram, um, you you know we post kind of a lot, which is good. We want you guys to keep... Uh, kind of connected, but please go ahead and go online to the homepage, Reality Honolulu, and subscribe to our email newsletter. Um, Beginning of the week, usually we send it out with kind of the most important things uh, going on, and until we're back in person and it feels you know, more connected, this is, we're trying to do the best we can, and don't want you to fall through the cracks in any way. So please go ahead and subscribe and follow to all the things so that you can keep connected and hoping to see your face some Wednesday night. Um, But without further ado, I want to get into the Word of God. And I want us to spend today in a section of Scripture in the book of Matthew. Once again, like I shared last week, we're just really trying to be led by the Spirit in these tumultuous, I would say, times we live in, these difficult, these ever-changing times. And so we want to be attentive to the Spirit. And, and this week, praying really felt like the God that God would have us study Matthew 26 and going to be looking at verses 36 through 46. And so uh, open your Bibles with me, Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. This is Jesus 
on the eve of the crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane, right after the Last Supper, right after he instituted communion, which speaking of which, if you heard last week, want to make sure that you are, are partaking communion with your family and friends as often as you can during this house church gathering. Sometimes we'll lead you in that, but sometimes we just want to encourage you to, uh, if you have bread or anything like that, or juice or anything like that, to during the second set of worship after the sermon here, to, to as you eat it and you drink it, to remember the cross. And so what happened in our text today is that just happened at, at the Last Supper. Communion was instituted, and now Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so before I actually read the text you know what? Actually, I'll read it and then we'll pray. Uh, but here's what it says. Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Then Jesus, after the Lord's Supper, after the Last Supper, instituting communion, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, along with them. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he returned to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? And he asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Verse 42. He went away a second time and he prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he went away once more and prayed for the third time saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, in the quietness of our homes or the busyness of our homes, wherever we're at right now, as we're listening to this, we ask that you would have your way with us. And just as the text would say today, we don't want our will. I don't want my will to be done in this sermon, in this church. Uh, God, this is your church. We're your people. You are our Lord. And we put ourselves under your authority, your leading. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So like I said before I prayed, this is taking place on the eve of the crucifixion. This was the night prior to Jesus being put on trial and put to death for the sins of the world. Just after he instituted communion, he goes to this garden along uh, across the Kidron Valley. 
If you ever get an opportunity to go to Israel, I highly recommend it. Hopefully one day when all this passes, maybe us as a church, we can go together. I would love that. The first time I went to Israel back in 2007, I got to see this place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And again, it's just outside the old city. It's across the Kidron Valley, just a small valley. Up the hill, overlooking Jerusalem, there's these patches still to this day, still to this day of groves of olive trees. And in Aramaic, literally, Gethsemane means olive press or the olive press. And this would be the place where Jesus would go prior to the cross and he would seek the Father in prayer. And we see this detailed account here in, in Matthew 26. We see it in Mark 14. It's a very pivotal and powerful moment in the life of our Savior, in the life of our Lord. As you can see here in our text this morning, Jesus was extremely burdened. He was anxious. He was, he was overwhelmed with, with what was to come. Right, that he would go and suffer a very publicly brutal and excruciating death. Not for his sins, right? He's the sinless, blameless Lamb of God, but it would be our sins. It would be the sins of the entire world. Literally, the wrath of God poured out upon Jesus, upon the cross, to die in a sinner's place. The sins, the weight of sin, like the penalty of sin, the consequence of humanity's rebellion was like on the shoulders and on the neck and on the person of Jesus here in this little olive grove across the Kidron Valley from the old city of Jerusalem. And it says he took a few of his disciples and he asked them to pray as he alone went off to speak with his father. This was Father God, this was God, the creator of the universe, that he went before in stillness and in solitude in prayer. Amongst these olive trees around him, which today you can go to and sit under and read this very passage. He would go and he would ask the Father, if there's any way that this cup, my task, the cross that's ahead of me, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, we can do it differently. But not, but not my will, but, but, but Father, if there's any way, but again, I don't want my will to be done, I want your will. And he repeats this three times, and what we see here is this play, and it's this interaction between the deity of Christ, that he's fully God, but also he's fully man, he's fully human. He is the, he's God incarnate, God in the flesh, and he's fully God and he's fully man, and we see this, this, this tension happening in the garden. Right, he's, he's fighting, uh, he, he knows what's going to happen, he knows what he must do, but then he, his humanity knows the excruciating pain the most brutal method of torture in the Roman Empire he was about to partake in. He was, it was about to happen to him, and he knew it because he was God. He was, he was omnipotent. He knew it was going to happen. 
He knows how bad it's going to be. And not only that, but we see in the narrative of the cross that there was a moment, there was a period when Jesus was upon the cross when, when the Father actually turned away. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was this time upon the cross that was about to happen for Jesus that not only was so physically brutal, but there was a separation for a time from his father that he would experience as the penalty of sin was dealt with. So much so that in other accounts we see that Jesus actually sweat blood. It's actually a medical condition that happens when you're under unbelievable amount of stress. Literally, the weight of the world, the sin of the world was on his shoulders. And so we see in the Garden of Gethsemane this interaction between the humanity and the deity of Christ. But the potent message, the salient prayer, the theme of the prayers, three times that Jesus repeats to his Father is as, as unbelievably hard this fate in front of me is. And as much as I don't want to experience that, I don't want to go through that. I want to declare three times in prayer very clearly, Father God, not my will, not my plans, not my wants, but I want your will, your plans, and what you want to take authority and to take primary place in my life. And so not my will, but your will be done. And we say this and we know this, but Jesus Christ is our ultimate example, right, of, of what to be like and how, how, to, how to follow and, and, and what our lives should look like in, in every sense of the word. This is the prime example of the posture of the Christian. That we as followers of Jesus would come to God daily with this same attitude. That we would view our life, view the world around us, view our plans and our wants. That we would view 2020 and all that's happening around us with this same very prayer. Not my will, but your will be done. And what I want to do is I actually want to connect this to a theme that we've been talking about for a while now, and it's the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of God breaking through. Uh, our prayer should be, God, we want your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, especially in light of this political climate and the divisiveness and just a check to our heart and the way in which we view the world around us, we as Christians are supposed to have a heavenly mindset, a kingdom mindset. And earlier in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us a way in which uh, an outline, maybe a blueprint of how a believer, how a follower of Jesus ought to pray. And in Matthew 6, it, it's set in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, on the Mount of Beatitudes. And once again, 
If you go to Israel, you can go up to the very mountain, little hill, overlooking the Sea of Galilee in northern Israel, where the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, was preached, where Jesus literally and physically and actually stood in front of his followers and the crowds, and he preached the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and smack dab overlooking the Sea of Galilee to his followers, to the crowds, Matthew chapter 6, he says, pray in this way. And you guys know this, and we've gone over this before, but I want to connect it to the Garden of Gethsemane. So, so, so Matthew 6, verse 9 through 13. In, in, in the midst of Jesus' sermon, he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, the same Father in the garden he was praying to, right? God the Father, Hallowed be your name. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done. Remember, that's the same words, the same phrase. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He goes on to say, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our, our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In one phrase there, in verse 10 of Matthew 6, Jesus combines the will of the Father with the kingdom of the Father. Right? And for God's kingdom to come, it means that God's will is being done. God's plan. God's purposes in God's timing with God's people is happening. And when all that happens, the kingdom of God is at hand. So looking at that for a second, Jesus said you should pray this way. This is something you should strive for. This is uh, what should mark the believer. You know, the, the Beatitudes and the Sermon of the Mount are the attitudes that the believer is supposed to be in. It's what's supposed to dictate our life. Uh, it's what's supposed to be important to the Christian and so forth. And Jesus says, pray in this way. And then, not only does he stop there, but at the very end of the book of Matthew, Kind of to bookend it. At the end of his public ministry, at the eve of the cross, what does he do? He prays that very prayer. He knows that his life is not his own. That he's submitted to the will of his Father. And we too, as Christians, as believers, those of you here listening or, 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 or watching this right now, if you're a professing Christian, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he died on the cross and he rose again and he forgave your sins, Paul, the Apostle Paul, would, would say this. He, he would say that my life is no longer my own because of the cross. I've actually been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'm no longer in control of my own life and my own destiny and my own future. I'm now submitted to Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's Lord. He's in control. And my will is submitted to his will. His will and his plans are better than mine. And what we see here in Matthew 26 is Jesus literally 
having this come to pass. This idea of lordship, this idea of God, God's authority and his rule and his reign over our life, that his ways are better than our ways, is being played out here. And the reason why at this time in life, November 2020, with all that's going around us, the reason why I believe, what, what God has for us this morning, I believe, the word God wants to speak to us is that we need to be reminded that we are not supposed to be in control of our own life. That we aren't supposed to be in the driver's seat. That our way isn't supposed to be the way. But rather, our life, our plans, our wills, our dreams, and the timing of those things is supposed to be completely surrendered to our God, our Father who is in heaven. The reason why I think this is so applicable for now is that I know for so many of us, myself included, 2020 has been a year that has tested our control. Because so much around us is out of control. It is unknown. It is cloudy. It's like a roller coaster. There's, there's so much, if not everything, we are in control of. We, we, I hope that we've learned this, but whoa, with these interruptions, with this, with this huge change of life for so many of us, for all of us, this huge adjustment, I know it's tested our control. And, and for all of us, we want to be in control. Like, let's be honest, for some of us more than others. We want to have a plan. We want to stick to the plan. We want to know what's happening. We want what we want to happen when we want it. And 2020 has pretty much disrupted and ruined so many of our plans. It's been devastating. It's been hard. I know some of you have had to either cancel weddings, postpone weddings, uh, the way in which you have babies and go to the doctors with your spouse. I mean, it is so hard. Losing jobs, you're sick, you've lost loved ones to COVID. I mean, it's been devastating. It's been disrupting. And it's been out of control. And it feels that way. Right? For those of us specifically that, that, that want to be in the driver's seat and always at the wheel, this has been really rough. But what I want to remind us of, is that we were never supposed to be in control. We were never supposed to be at the wheel. You know the saying, Jesus, take the wheel. That, can, that, that has never been more true and more right. Because when we look at even the story of God, and how we're made, that he is the creator and we are the creation, that he's God and we're not. He's in control and we're to follow. We're actually to be led by God. We're not supposed to lead him. He's supposed to lead us. And as much as we can say that and think that, 
What I want us to do is I want us to be challenged at the core of our being this day by the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Who's in the driver's seat of our life? Who's in control? And are we praying this type of prayer? Are we submitting our finances? Are we submitting the calendar? Are we submitting our children? Are we submitting our marriages? Are we submitting our hopes and dreams and our lives to the feet of Jesus? And saying, Father, I've got a bunch of plans. <laughs> if you're anything like me, uh, I, 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 could be, I could plan this whole thing out. I love a plan. I love looking forward and, and, and kind of, you know, making all the pieces fit, and that's plan A, and that's plan B, and, and again, it's not bad to plan. That's not what I'm trying to say. That is not the sermon here. My point is, is all of what we have, all our dreams, all our ambitions, all our aspirations, good, bad, or ugly, everything in our lives, we need to take, and we say, God, like Jesus said, if there's any way this can happen or not happen, but again, I want to submit all of this to your will. Not my will, not what I want, but I want what you want. And church, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are placed in this world to give God glory. That our role in this world is to give God glory, as Colossians 3 would say, in word or deed or whatever you do, give God glory. Give him glory with your life. Praise with your life. Honor with your life. And the way in which we do that is to be kingdom people. That our lives are not lived for this world or what we can get or how much we can amass or what we can do with the amount of time we have, but it's to say, God, here I am. None of this, my time and my talent, my treasure, none of it's mine. It's all yours. I want your will to be done with it. And so church, I know for many of you, you've been praying this prayer already and I commend you and, and I appreciate you for it. But I want us to, as we look to this holiday season and we look to 2021 and all that's happening with, with, with everything going on this year and, and next, whatever the news feed says, whatever life gives us or brings us, good, bad, or ugly. I want us to say, God, want your will to be done and not mine. My life, my family's life, my finances this year isn't mine. It's yours. So God, make the most of it. Do as you wish. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And again, so much of this is perception. It's having the right perspective. It's having the right view of things. And my hope and prayer is, is that you would be challenged to take stock 
And if you're feeling out of control, if you're feeling super anxious and worried because everything's not going as you planned, for one, I just want you to say, that's okay. That's okay. Because God is in control and he has something better and bigger. And let our prayer be, God, okay, I feel out of control. I don't think like things are going well. I'm anxious about it. I'm nervous about it. God, would you take the wheel? I want to put you in control. I submit my life to you. I submit my plans to you. I submit this year to you. I submit my whole being to you and ask that your will would be done. I want to leave you with this. And it's a illustration. It's a metaphor that we can pull out of the Garden of Gethsemane. In order for those olives on those trees that Jesus was under to be of most value. The name of that garden, right, Gethsemane was Olive Press. In order for those olives to bear the most value is that those olives needed to be picked and they needed to be crushed. Those olives needed to be crushed so that out of the crushing came the oil, the olive oil, the most valuable part. I don't think there's anything, any coincidence in Jesus sitting under those olive trees praying these prayers because what in essence was happening is that his will was being crushed. It was being pressed for the sake of the Father's will. And for so many of us, this has not been at all a good year, fun year, a joyful year. It's been a hard year, and we feel like we're being pressed on all sides. We feel like we're being we're pressed. We feel like we're being crushed. And I want to say that God, in the crushing of your own will and your own plans and your own dreams, God wants to bring something really valuable out of it. I do not think this year is supposed to be a waste. I do not think that God hasn't been in control of anything. He is absolutely in control. And out of the crushing of our own will, I believe that he wants to bear much fruit for his glory and his kingdom. And so church, as corp corporately and individually, let's pray that prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will, but your will. Church, as we enter into worship, let's make the most of it. Let's press in. Let's take communion. Let's remember the cross. And let's surrender our wills to the feet of the Father. Amen? Amen. God, thank you that we're not in control. Thank you that we don't have to have it all together. Thank you that when things aren't going the way we wanted them, that we can trust in your will being better than our own, in your timing being better than our timing. But Lord, I'm first to admit that that is so difficult to actually do. The sermon that I just preached, the word of God that we just read is so, so rich and wonderful, these truths, but so hard. Holy Spirit, would you help each of us to surrender our own wills to your feet? God, we want your will to be done. We want what's best. We want what you want is what's best for us. And as hard as it is to give up control, we say, God, like Paul did, 
Our lives are no longer our own. Our family's life is no longer our own. Our finances and our time and our resources isn't ours. They're all yours, and so God, have your way with them. Now we pray that our eyes would get off ourselves and we would fix our eyes on Jesus. And so God, fill our homes with your presence as we worship you now. Love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.